Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Eileen Dillon. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and has also been a marriage and family therapist, as well as a licensed social worker for over 45 years. And Eileen is still helping people all over the world through her books, which we'll be discussing today. And that makes Eileen a kick-ass boomer. Welcome, Eileen. That is quite a background. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. People, you know, I was interviewed by a young man who's much younger, and he said, how have you managed to have so many careers in your life? And I said, well, from my age, they weren't seen as careers. They were seen as offshoots of the same work I was doing everywhere. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so let's start today by talking about what you did after your husband of 22 years died. You sold your home, and then what did you do? <laughs> yeah, well, my uh, I was planning after he died. He was sick for a long time. I thought I'd just sit in the house for a year and put my feet up, and, you know, I lived in a lovely place. And then my son came to me and said, do you – how are you planning to spend the money you have? You know, what percentage are you paying for taxes and upkeep on the house and so forth? And I looked at what he said and I went, you know, I need to get out of here. So I cleaned the house out. I learned more about my husband's two ex-wives than any wife should ever know. And, uh, (laughs) and, And I uh, sold the house and I closed down my brick and mortar business and my 13 year old, uh, 13 year long podcast. And I bought a 24 foot RV and I took my little dog. I have an eight pound dog named Pi and she and I took off. And in the subsequent three years, we visited 31 states and four Canadian provinces. And I gave speeches and I wrote a book. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. So you just could go out, enjoy life, see different states, different things that you wanted to see. And now you told me when we talked last week that you had a diagnosis right before you took off. That's right. I got a a breast cancer diagnosis. It was a slow growing, but an invasive uh, cancer diagnosis. And my husband was a brain surgeon, a Western medicine doctor, and I have been an alternative medicine person (laughs) most of my adult life. When I first met him, I said, you know, I need to be truthful with you. I've spent most of my adult life trying to stay away from people like you. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyway, um, uh, I, he died of cancer and, um, his ex-wife had died of cancer and my sister came and stayed with us for the last seven months of her life. And I didn't see Western medicine really working hard to cure people. Either they didn't know how to, or that's not their focus. So I thought I'm going to work with my alternative medicine. And the doctor said I could take a year that it was slow growing enough. So I could take a year. So I ate a raw diet and I, um, did qigong, which is a Chinese uh, energy medicine, and I took supplements. And I told my children, 
none of whom were happy with me. No, I uh, guess not. <laughs> I told my children it's a year experiment. And if I'm cured at the end of the year, I'm cured. And if not, I'll have it removed, right? Mm-hmm. And I worked with, I was referred to the head of breast oncology surgery at Duke Medical Center. Could not have had a better person yeah, to work excellent. with. And she really supported me in what I was doing. Uh, So the long and the short is by the end of the year, it had not disappeared, but it also had not grown. And it was supposed to grow two to 4% a year. So I considered that I had demonstrated to myself that I could do something effective with the cancer, went ahead and had it removed. I never felt sick. I haven't felt sick since. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I got a bill of clean health from a follow-up visit there. They said, don't come back for a long time. Well, and how many years has fine. it been now? How many years? I was diagnosed in 2017. So three years. I, I So okay. it's been two about two and a half years, actually, because oh, it was okay. early in two, 2017. And, you know, I think when we were talking before, one of the things I mentioned was I've done a lot of work. Uh, I'm known as the emotional pro, and I've worked a lot with emotions. And when I was 50, I decided I wanted to see if I could not be afraid anymore because I'd been afraid my whole life. And I came up with a way of working with fear that has left me uh, in the condition that I call fearless, which is you can't ever get rid of emotions, Mm -hmm. but uh, you can reduce them down so that they're quite small. And so what was interesting to me is that throughout that whole cancer thing, I did not have a moment of fear. It was to me, uh, I see the earth as a big giant school. We have experiences to teach us things. Uh, So I began exploring, what is this cancer trying to teach me? What am I trying to teach myself by having cancer? And I really worked with that also, uh, you know, that I, I had not, when my husband was sick, I hadn't looked after myself well enough. And that was a lifelong pattern one that a lot of women get into. A lot of women do. Yes. Right. And so, so I started really putting myself first and doing things the way I wanted to and starting to live my life flat out. And, uh, (laughs) and uh, it it was removed. I've had no recurrence. It's, uh, it's almost as if it didn't happen. Well, and I do think cancer does come because of our emotions, because we're not handling something well. I read years ago that many people are diagnosed five years years after they have something horrible happen in their lives, something that just mm. devastated them. And I think that's what happened to my mother. She had um, a, a work issue that just really devastated her. And within five years, she was diagnosed and died. And I do believe our emotions play a big part in cancer and our mental, we have to yes. mentally believe we can get rid of it before we can get rid of it. A lot of the research shows that it's anger that's involved. Yes, yes, and, I believe. Yes, and uh, so you know, there was a part of me. I, I loved my husband, and I worked to be as loving as I could through his illness. But um, he he was this neurosurgeon with a lot of strength and power and influence and so forth, and yet inside of him there was a little boy that was kind of scared. And so as he was ill, 
he uh, he would tell me, you're not going out to walk the dog now, are you? Don't be gone long. How long are you going to be gone? Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah. And I did, I did find myself getting angry about that, but I didn't want to dump it on him because I understood he was going through a process. So when I was on my walk, I would go, OK, how can we be as loving as possible here? What's the most loving way I can be? But I think I swallowed down some of that and yes. uh, that could manifest. I yeah. think that, yeah, that probably is correct. I think that's how it happens. So we have to be very careful of our emotions. And now we might as well just go right into your book because your book is called Emotions in Motion. And yes. they do play a big part in everything that happens to us. So absolutely, share some ideas with us. Okay, well, I got interested in emotions years ago uh, when something happened that uh, made me so angry. The <laughs> anger that had built up inside of me throughout my childhood just came flooding out. Uh, any emotion that we hold on to grows. Mm. And anger is our most active emotion. It grows better than any other emotion. Of course it does. <laughs> and, and emotions are energy and they need to move. And so also when we, when we clamp down on them, no, I don't want to get angry right now. I don't want somebody to know I feel lonely. I, you know, right. whatever that builds inside of us. And that emotion is constantly trying to get out. And what it does is it finds the weakest point in us, the weakest part of us. And, uh, and it attacks right there. And if actually, if you hold on to anger long enough, it can kill you mm -hmm. itself. All right. And I've determined that anger is uh, a part of almost every human ill, whether it's mental or uh, physical. Right. Uh, I believe that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So it's really important that you turn it loose. And that's what to forgive means is to turn loose. So let me tell you a little bit about what I learned about anger. I learned that uh, the universal cause, as I understand it, is that we have an idea inside of ourselves about how things are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And that idea gets violated, whether we think it should happen and it doesn't, or we think it should not happen and it does. And uh, so really, when we talk about the earth being a big giant school, anger is trying to show us where we have ideas about how the world is supposed to be that are not correct. Mm -hmm. Because if our idea was correct, it would never get violated. Right? Right, right. Right, right. Hmm. So, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about this, uh, this story I, I have. It's an experience I had. I used to teach noontime classes at the Civic Center in my home county. And I was teaching a class on anger. And the woman in the class, about the third class in, she, she raised her hand and she said, okay, Eileen, I'll believe what you're talking about if you can help me resolve this issue. And I said, okay, let's see what we can do. So she tells the story. She says, uh, okay, so every Sunday, I'm on my way to church. I go by my mother's house and I pick her up uh, to take her to church with me. And then she stays overnight, Sunday night, and I drop her off at her house on Monday when I go to work. And by Monday morning, I am ready to kill that woman. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and I said, I said, really, what is it? What does she do? Or what does she say? And she says she criticizes all the time. Well, if I'm making a meal, she goes, well, I don't think we ever made mashed potatoes like that. Do you, dear? 
you know? And so she criticizes all the time. And she said, I just want to punch her out. And I said, really? Well, how long has she been criticizing you like that? All my life. (laughs) And I said, well, how many times does she criticize you in an overnight? And she says, at least five. And so I said, okay, so I have something I want to ask you to do. This week, I think we were meeting on Wednesdays. I said, this week, what I want you to do is I want you, uh, number one, if your mother's been criticizing you your whole life, then you have an incorrect belief in your mind because you're getting angry thinking she should not criticize you. Mm -hmm. But honey, it's one of her best things. It's what she does really well. So first of all, change it. She should criticize me. This is what she does, right? And now instead of trying to get her to criticize you less, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold a piece of paper up like this. And every time she criticizes you, I want you to make a mark. Mm -hmm. And here's the rule. Your mother must criticize you 10 times. And if she doesn't, you get angry with her. Okay. So go and try this and come back and tell us. Well, the next week she comes back and she says, well, you know, it did help me when I put the marks on the paper. And uh, I said, well, how many times did she criticize you? And she said, well, she did her usual five. And then the next week we checked and the mother was down to four. And uh, so we talked about it and we talked about what she was learning. Well, it was an eight week class. And on the last day of the class, this woman hadn't mentioned this for quite a while. So I said, look, before we end the class, I must know, how (laughs) have things been going with your mother? And she looked at me like this. Wow. She said, what are you talking about? (laughs) I said, you remember your mother all your life criticizing you, mashed potatoes, all this. And she went, oh. She doesn't do that anymore. And I went, really? The whole class was in an uproar. And she said she hasn't done it for so long. I didn't even remember that she did it. Wow. Right? That is really right. something. Yeah. So what we learned there was that, uh, and, and I talk about it in the book too, is a big issue with any emotion is resistance. So she was resisting what her mother did, and we offered her an opportunity to stop resisting it. Mm-hmm. We gave, we didn't take getting angry away from her. She could still get angry, but she had a longer, uh, you know, more more times. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also took her attention off of constantly focusing on what her mother was doing wrong. And I uh, teach people to follow the principle of paying a, pay attention to what you want to become and not to what you want to overcome. Mm-hmm. So. She wanted to become a person uh, who would get angry if uh, if her mother criticized her 10 times, not five, right? Right, right. And right. her mother never got to 10. <laughs> wow, that is, <laughs> that's amazing. But that shows you the power. And it's a shame because her mother had that power over her all those years because of what she was doing. She could have exactly. gotten rid of that long ago. Well, that's an interesting point. And, you know, the, the bestseller book that I've been a part of is this one called The, the Wellness Universe Guide to Complete Self-Care. Right. And in this book, there are 25 of us who have uh, uh, both a story from our own lives to tell and a tool to mm-hmm. teach people. And my tool is uh, is about focus, about um 
uh, where you, um, let's see, to, uh, yeah, to, oh, I know what it is. I wrote another chapter, so I'm confusing them. Uh, so uh, it, it's living life from the inside out. Mm-hmm. What most of us do is we live from the outside in. And we if something happens in our lives, we go, oh, so-and-so did that. That's their fault. Uh, my parents didn't give me good enough training to handle this, et cetera. It's all outside. Right. But, but the problem is that everything really is controlled from the inside. When I have charge of myself, I have charge of in here. And what gets reflected to me from out there is like what's in here and I'm not reacting, and people are, you know, if I love myself, people outside of me also love me. If I judge myself, people outside of me also judge me, and I mm. judge others, right? Oh, okay. Okay, so so the whole thing is to, to uh, start looking at this issue of being in charge of what it is that I'm doing. And that's what I was teaching this woman. Instead of focusing outward on what her mother was doing, it's like, what can I do here? What will I do? What am I going to focus on? And when you do that, uh, you're paying attention to what you want to become. The problem that you want to overcome atrophies and falls away. You don't even have to work at it. And that's not the way we're trained to deal with things. No, we're definitely not. That's excellent. Boy, that's really powerful. It is. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, this is important for baby boomers to learn if they haven't learned it yet. You know, you might have 20 or 30 years left. You might as well learn it and enjoy life a little bit more. Well, that was my intention. I had a really rough childhood and I was angry, particularly with my father for 40 years. (gasps) Wow. And I finally decided it it was interesting. I never did accept a, a past life concept. I said, I have enough to deal with in this life. (laughs) Forget it, you know, but one day I was thinking and I thought, you know, if there is anything to this past life stuff, I do not want to go through with another person. What I went through in this lifetime, I think I'll forgive my father. Good. Right. (laughs) And that's about turning things loose. And so it was on his deathbed when I find he was on his deathbed. And when I finally said, dad, I forgive you. Will you accept my forgiveness? Dad, will you forgive me for all the things that I've done that have been painful for you? And uh, then I was able to thank him for being my father in this lifetime. And that was an amazing experience. Wow, this is something that all of us should be thinking about if we still have grudges with anybody in our family, because resolve it before the person dies, or you will be living with it and regretting it forever. And it'll be keep popping into your mind, torturing well, for years. Yes, you can finish it after they're gone, but it's yeah. easier and faster. Right. And uh, to forgive means to let go. And most people don't like to let something go because they feel like they're letting the other person off the hook. Yeah. And that was another thing that I learned is, you know, my dad didn't know I was that mad at him. I knew that I was mad at him. And the anger that I was holding inside was hurting me. It wasn't hurting him. Right. So forgiveness really is to let me off the hook, not the other person off the hook. 
Right. That's so important. And sometimes you see on TV where um, people have had a loved one shot and killed in, in the city and they're able to forgive immediately. And everyone else goes, yeah. oh, my gosh, how can they forgive? But that's why they do it. Otherwise, it will rip them apart. And yes. who needs that? Who needs yes. that? And we're all moving into new ways of being now. I know this year has been very challenging and we're blaming COVID, but what, in my experience, my learning and what I've done in therapy is before the new comes in, the old has to fall apart. Well, guess what? That's what we've been doing this year in particular. So we're coming into a new time and it's a time where we're more aware of our energy, where we're, uh, uh, we're more able to love. And uh, that means we need to forgive. I'm just finishing my second uh, book that I've written myself. It's called A Way Out End Manipulation. Mm. And in that book, I'm talking about how we all start life as manipulators when you're in a little baby body <laughs> right. and your brain your brain and your body aren't working well. You can't function in this world by yourself. You have to have an agent. You have to have somebody do things for you. Well, just to cut to the chase, we're designed so that as we grow up, we stop having other people using other people's energy to do things for us. And we mm -hmm. start doing more things for ourselves till we get to maturity. But we need help to do that, and most of us haven't gotten it. So our world is full of manipulation, which is us using other people's energy to get what we think we need. Mm -hmm. And my book is describing how that works and also pointing out that we human beings are designed to grow out of manipulation, and it's time for us to do it. Because manipulation is me using your energy instead of using my own energy. And it's a slow, clunky way to do things, number one. And number two, it's time for us to end that. It is time. That sounds like a fascinating book. When is that going to be available? Do you have any idea uh, yet? March or April. I'm working on it. I'm self-publishing. Anybody want to help me self-publish? <laughs> <laughs> if there's it's anyone out there, help. <laughs> help. Because we can use that that uh, information again. That's going to be fascinating and really help us mature. And, you know, as baby boomers, we have extra time now because we, we're not, you know, working day to day and hustling to make a living and taking care of our families. A lot of us are on our own or, you know, maybe us and a husband. We have extra time to do these things. We might as well learn to be a better person and set a better example for the world. And I think as baby boomers, we are, we are going to impact this world fabulously. Um, already because, have. Yeah, already have. And we'll continue because we have so many years left. Many of us will live to be 90 or hundred years old and many of us may be over a hundred. So what are we going to do with that time? You know, that's an interesting question. And what I faced when I took off in my RV, mm -hmm. it's like, how long do I want to live? How long do I want to keep driving? I today I'm 78 years old, right? And right. I'm my because of COVID, my van is in storage right now, but I'm leaving as soon as I can because I really <laughs> love the lifestyle. Um, but uh, the what what kind of life do I want to have for the rest of my life? And right. baby boomers are really focused with this because uh, there's the health, there's the awareness there's the capability with computers we're still 
functioning and alive in life. And uh, what I determined is if I, I plan to live to at least 100. So mm-hmm. I got another 22 years, as long as I was married, you see. There you um, go. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like it till you get to the other side That's of true. it. That's true. That's true. Well, so anyway, the question is, what do I want the rest of my life to be like? And I started thinking about a baseball game, you know, uh, uh, like I'm at this point in my life, I'm standing on third base and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going into home. Right. Now, there are two ways that people can go into home. They can go in and slide in on their face or they can go in standing up and running. And I decided I want to stand up and run. Right. So what allows me to do that? I need to embrace life as fully as I already have been and more. Right. You know, I, I need not to stop living. I need to embrace living. So right now I'm on podcasts, I'm teaching courses, I'm working with coaching clients, I'm writing a book and publishing it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing things and I, you know, I thought I was semi-retired anyway, but right. I tell people I haven't had the good grace to retire. No, and and baby boomers don't want to retire. We don't want to get old. We want to keep active till the very last minute. We do. Of course, of course. And we have the means to stay conscious and active and and help uh, others. And that's the real key. That was something else I found out about getting older. Uh, It's a time for drawing in and then sharing all that we have gotten in our time in life. So really the the watchword for this period of time in our lives is selfless service, doing things for others that we don't expect to get anything back for, but can be helpful to others. And I would put one proviso, uh, help that isn't asked for never works. So if you're going to help somebody, ask them if they want your help first. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get a clear yes, go help somebody else, not them, because they won't accept it anyway. There you go. That's good advice. Now, one other thing I wanted you to talk a little bit about is setting the age thermostat. And part Uh, of wanting to live to 100, I think you need to reset your age thermostat. So what does that mean to you? How do we do that? Yeah, well, I first learned that about resetting the age thermometer. And I learned it when I was 40. And uh the, I read it in a magazine on an airline. I don't, I oh. never saved the resource, but this person said, look, 80 has been the considered a full lifespan up to this point. So everybody thinks that 40 is middle age. Well, the author said people can now live to 120. So what is middle age? And if you decide that it's 60, then you're going to have to change your thermometer. You're going to have to reset it at 60. Oh, right. right. Uh, Because otherwise you already have gone to middle age and, you know, so I started at age 40 doing that. I decided now, now that I'm 78, I think 70 is middle age. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm 70 now. So I totally agree with that. (laughs) Beautiful middle age. Yeah. But, but you reset it by, uh, you know, not affirming whatever we say has power, whatever we write has power. So as my husband was ill, for example, and, and before that, he, he would say, you and I, he would talk to me, you and I are old folks. Yeah. And I would say to him, talk for yourself. 
I am not old. I do not wish to be described that way. Well, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek, not so kind, (laughs) but he's no longer here and I am. Uh, And we all have our different choices. So I'm not saying that that's necessarily good or bad. But all you do is you you keep affirming, you know, just like you thought you were young up until you were 40. Well, you're still young up until you're 60 or 70. Right. Absolutely. And so, so you behave like a young person and you think like a young person and you talk about yourself. And if you forget something, you don't say I'm getting older. No, because Mm-mm. that's that's BS, you right. know, and your unconscious will believe that if you keep repeating it. So you can't Absolutely. even think it or say it. Yes. Just think the, young thoughts. The subconscious automatically takes as truth anything. That is repeated to it. So you can also then say, I uh, haven't yet reached middle age. Uh, You know, if you're 55 or 65, I haven't yet reached middle age. Uh, It'd be interesting when I get to be middle age to see what I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) Keep telling that subconscious mind and it'll believe it. So, you know, I'm very active and living in my van and traveling alone and people go, well, aren't you scared or aren't you courageous? And courage is, is being afraid and doing things anyway. Well, I don't feel the fear in the first place. So I don't do courage. I don't need to do courage. Right. Good. And, and uh, loneliness, every emotion is uh, emotions are designed to help us navigate our lives. And every emotion gives us a message. It has something for us to pay attention to so we can help navigate. Loneliness, most of us think, has to do with being alone. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you can feel lonely in a crowd or in a marriage. So it doesn't have to do with being alone. Mm -hmm. It has to do with what we do with our energy and our attention. And loneliness the message is that I have more energy going out from me than I have coming in. Oh. I'll feel lonely. Mm-hmm. So when you feel lonely, if you do something to bring energy into yourself, living life from the inside out, mm-hmm. you'll stop feeling lonely. And the best thing to do is something you have a talent for doing, right? You do a talent, it brings energy into you. But you can also you know, go for a walk, read something, take a bath, get a massage, whatever. But as much as you can do it on your own to feed that energy into yourself, because so many of us, when somebody else is around, we're automatically paying attention to them instead of ourselves. We need to pay attention to ourselves where loneliness is concerned. Oh, that's interesting. And we need more self-care. We really do. We need to learn to take care of ourselves. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Self-care. That's a great (laughs) book. And now give us your website and tell us where we can find these books if they want to go and purchase your books, which sound phenomenal. So where would they go? Uh, Amazon. uh, Okay. Look up Eileen Dillon and, uh, 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 wellness universe, complete self-care or uh, emotions in motion. Okay. Um, and my website is emotionalmasteryforlife.com, all spelled out emotional mastery for life. Because that's my aim that uh, we're designed to, uh, learn to work, to partner with emotions so that they help us in life. So, uh, when you do that, you're, Uh, you're mastering emotions. You're working with them in a way that you're in charge and not the emotions. 
Right. Perfect. And I will have all of that information in the show notes. So when you go to my website, www.kickassboomers.com, you can, you'll see the podcast, um, not this coming Monday, but the next, I forget the date, but when you see Eileen's picture, you click on it, all the show notes will be right there. You'll be able to click on the podcast, listen to the podcast and everything will be there. So if you're walking or exercising or doing something else right now, don't worry about writing everything down, you'll be able to find the information. And by the way, I have a stash of these books with me personally right now. Mm -hmm. And if anybody would prefer to have a signed copy, just write me through my website and, uh, and I'll negotiate with you getting this book to you and I'll sign it for you. Great. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. (laughs) So any other final words? I think we've covered everything, but is there one more thought you wanted to share with us? Or I think we've covered a lot. We have covered a lot. Well, uh, I I mentioned this before, but uh, this has been a year of breakdown. And we have a tendency to define it as negative because of the breakdown. And uh, that is largely because human beings don't like change. And this change has been forced on us in a manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but really, what has happened this year uh, with, with this little tiny virus that, that changed our life right. uh, is uh, it, has, it has made things fall apart. We're not rushing around as much as we used to. We're not uh, you know, buying as much. We're not traveling as much. Uh, we've turned inward on ourselves. Now, a lot of people have experienced this as a terrible, crushing emotional time. And largely that's because we're not used to being alone. We're used to having manipulative relationships. And when you stay with yourself, it's like going through the eye of the needle. So I just would like to ask people to consider that this actually has been a good year. And it's good in the sense that it's been breaking apart all the things that have been keeping us in the lockstep that we've been living in so that we can come into a new way of living that's much kinder and gentler and more loving. Oh, that's great. I love that. And you know what? Everyone has been saying, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to go away. And I'm waiting for 2021. And this episode will come out in 2021. We are actually recording on New Year's Eve. So we're (laughs) almost to there. But like you said, for me, 2020 was not a bad year. I focused on my podcast. I started preparing and I actually launched in October. So for me, it was a fantastic year. I've been more creative and I've met so many wonderful people on my podcast. So I like 2020. My, uh, you know, my son and and his family invited me to come stay with them in Northern California. And people are asking me, what's COVID time been like for you? I said, it's been like being on a vacation. I'm (laughs) in this, I'm in this lovely home. I'm with my family. There's a swimming pool. We're on the edge of open space. Uh, My daughter-in-law is a fabulous cook. Uh, You know, and I've been doing my work. Oh, so, that's great. And you have more time to do it because someone else is cooking for you. And you know, you're not taking care of the house. You just have to keep your area done and that's it. So yeah, it's well, been I do, I do do dishes. When I stayed here before, they said I was welcome back anytime as long as I did dishes. <laughs> the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But that's an easy chore. That's not bad at all. 
So for you, it's been a great year too. For me, it's been a great year. And I challenge baby boomers to think about 2020 as being a very good year in the long run. We're going to find out it's been a transformative year for the whole planet. And that's a good thing, right? And yes. And instead of spending so much energy talking about how awful 2020 was, start focusing on what you want to become. Look at 2021. What do you really want in your life? How would you like it to be? How would you like to feel? Who would you like to spend time with if you can? You know, uh, really start constructing the life that you'd like now that the old one slowed down, changed and felt terrible. Now, what do you want? Right. Right. Well, that's excellent. Well, thank you, Eileen. You have been a wonderful guest. I think anyone listening has gotten so many good nuggets out of this. And of course, they're going to want to run and buy the book to get the rest of the information. So I think it would be helpful. It's so helpful for any age, but especially for boomers. Why not? Let's get worked through some of the issues that maybe we've carried through life. And now we can work through them and enjoy our later years much better. Right. And those, the things I've been talking about have transformed my life. And just to tell your listeners here, uh, I've worked with thousands of people over the close to 50 years that I've been doing therapy uh, and, and people's lives. I recently had somebody call me up and say, can I work a few sessions with you? She worked with me 47 years ago. Wow. 47 years ago. Wow. That's incredible. Right. Right. She said, I just have a few things I need to clean up. (laughs) Well, you know what? That's interesting because I have a friend I walk with sometimes. Her name is Lisa. So Lisa, if you're listening and she comes to me for advice a lot of times and some of the issues she has, I go, I really don't know how to help you, but I'm thinking you might. So Lisa, you need to start reading Eileen's books and maybe hook up because I think Eileen can work, help you work through some of these issues. And I'm open to setting up a, a master class or something for us, for people, if anybody would like to do that. I love working with people and uh, would, would be, be happy to do idea. that. That would be a yeah. great idea. So we'll keep in touch. If you decide to do that, let me know. And I'll definitely okay. let my baby boomer nation know. And I'm sure there's going to be people interested because this was very, very informative. So thank you, Eileen, and welcome to the year 2021. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be great. (laughs) Thank you, Terry. I've enjoyed myself. Good. I'm glad you did. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.